Hey, so this is graduation season, and 23 years ago, I know it seems like a long time to some of you, and some of you are like, how many of you graduated more than 30 years ago? Raise your hand. How many got 40 years on us? 40 years graduated. Wow. How many got 50? Do I hear 60? I still got hands going up. 50 years ago. We got 50 years ago. We graduated. How crazy is that? Isn't that awesome? So I'm kind of a new guy. I'm kind of the baby in the family, in the room, except for Jacob, who just graduated yesterday. So he's kind of the freshest. Congratulations to Jacob. So 23 years ago, I remember graduating, and I remember the whole week leading up to that, you know, you have to, you're out of school and you feel like the big man on campus because you have to show up for graduation practice and everybody else is little slum, little, you know, slobs that are still in school and you're like, yeah, look at me, I'm the big man. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so you go in and you learn how to walk in a line like we didn't know how to do that and how to sit in chairs like we didn't know how to do that, right? And, uh, and that whole, whole process of that, and then you actually get to the moment, the evening, where everybody's dressed up, and family and friends have come to celebrate, and you're in your robe with your mortarboard and your tassel, and you're super excited. I can remember being an 18-year-old kid just thinking, I, w- I, w- I was super excited about the past. I'm looking back at the past at that moment, I could think, man, this was great. But I had a lot of nerve. I, had a, I was very nervous. I was very scared. I was very... I was excited at the same time, and I was ex- about the future, and, and it was a great time. And I, I was on a mountaintop. You ever have one of those mountaintop experiences? That little ringing is getting on my nerves. Sorry, guys. Just distracting me. If you, you ever have one of those mountaintop experiences? Yes? Yeah, two of you? Okay, that's cool. So, so I was on that mountaintop, and, and I, I, as I'm sitting there, and, I, and the, the guy talking, who I had no idea what he talked about, he went on forever. I knew it was boring. I know I didn't have a clue what he said. But I'm sitting there, and it really didn't matter because I'm thinking, man, for the 13 years that I was in this school and the, the sports that I played and the tests that I cheated on and the homework I should have turned in and, and, and the relationships that I had built over those 13, my past had led me to the moment that I was at that particular time. And I also was able to sit back, and, and at the same time as I would think about the future, the past, I would look at the future, and I was thinking that those 13 years, the sports that I played, the, the tests that I cheated on, and the homework I should have turned in, and the relationships I built had led me to where I was to prepare me for the future that was going to be mine. And I'll never forget going through the graduation, and they're handing me my diploma, and I, I don't know, I mean, I've worked really hard, kind of. Actually, I probably didn't work hard at all for that diploma. I think they actually gave it to me to get rid of me, to be real honest with you. Because I wasn't exactly involved in the educational process, if you know what I'm talking about. I wasn't real engaged. And so, so I got my diploma, and, and you know how it is. You, you go and you stand in the line, and your friends and your family and people you don't know are congratulating you. And you're like, this is really awesome. But I'll never forget the one person who talked to me. He said, he said, buddy is my basketball coach, this big burly man. And, and he comes up to me. He gives me the firm handshake. He looks me in the eye. He said, buddy. And I look at him. I said, coach, I'm going to make it. And I had tears in my eyes. I said, coach, I'm going to make it. He goes, I have no doubt you're going to make it, buddy. I have every amount of confidence that you are going to make it. And, and I, I remember those words. And it wasn't because he was just trying to fluff me up because that's not who he was. This is the same guy that months earlier in the basketball season yelled and kicked me out of practice. We had these glass doors on our building of our, basket, of our gym, and, and they would, the people outside heard them shake. He was yelling at me so bad. So this wasn't a guy who just passed out compliments. Does that make sense? This was a guy who was a very successful businessman. He, he told me that he had confidence in me, and I knew he believed it, and I knew that he wanted it maybe even more than I did for myself. And, 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 and the reason I knew that is because a couple months earlier, we were at an awards banquet, 
and he stands there, and he hands me this, and, and I got most improved player of the year, which was pretty cool, because I I'd spent the entire summer between my junior and senior year working hard, going to every basketball uh, pickup game I could find. I drove around this city, put miles around my car on this city, just going to find places I could play and improve my game and hone my skills. And, and I, I'm sitting there as a senior, and I'll never forget standing about right here, and he's at the, 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 the lectern, and he, he pulls out the trophy. He said, most improved player goes to Buddy Watts. And I went to go get the trophy. He said, hold on, guys. He said, let me tell you something about Buddy Watts. He said, Buddy Watts works harder than anybody I've ever seen. And if, if, if you, and he's looking at adults and he's looking at students, he says, listen, everywhere in this room, if you would approach your marriage the way that he has, he has the, with the grit that he has, with the tenacity he has, as you will approach your life, your school, if you approach your family, if you approach everything that you do in your life the way he has approached basketball this year, I promise you that you can't help but have success. So when I'm standing in this line, I had no doubt that he believed in me. No doubt. And it was a mountaintop experience, to say the least. Anybody had a mountaintop experience? That's right. And see, here's the thing is that, that it, 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 mountains are pretty significant. Mountains, mountains have provided a view like no other. Anybody ever been on top of a mountain? If there's a vantage point that is just you cannot get anywhere else on earth. Being at the top of a mountain is absolutely amazing. And I started looking through the Bible and understanding that in the Bible, mountains are significant. Mountains are everywhere, especially as you look through the Old Testament, even the New Testament. Mountaintops are significant places. This is where God showed up. If you look through the Bible, God, Jesus, they had significant spiritual encounters on the mountain. Mountaintops are super, exper- uh, super important. Listen, Moses. Anybody heard of Moses? Moses in the Old Testament. He saw the burning bush. Where was he at? He was on a mountain. When, when he got the Big Ten, you know those, that list of ten things, the Big Ten things you shouldn't do or you should do? When he got those things, where was he at? A mountain. When, when Elijah, Elijah, this is a cool story. Elijah went up, and there were these prophets of Baal, these, these Satan worshipers, and they were trying to say that their God was more powerful than hers. He said, okay, that's fine. You build your altar. I'll build my altar. I'll dig a moat around mine. I will douse mine with water so much that the moat is full of water. You call on your gods to send fire. I'll call on mine. Let's see who wins. At one point, he made fun of me. He said, hey, maybe, you're ba- maybe, you're, maybe your God's in the bathroom taking a dump. It's pretty cool. You should read the story. He literally says that. And so they're ma- he's making fun for hours. They're praying and dancing, doing a little tribal warfare stuff. He's like, ah, ha, 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 whatever. He says, hey, God, send fire. And fire comes down. Where would that happen? On a mountain. It happened on a mountain. The Sermon on the Mount, if you really want to know how to tr- live a blessed life, Matthew tells you the sermon happened on a mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Peter, Jane, John, James, Jesus. On the Mount of Transfiguration, on a mountain, Jesus' face changed. They tra- he transformed before them on a mountain. On a mountain, Jesus died for you and me. On a mountain, he, get, he became the sacrifice for our sins. And if you read, Jesus is coming back to us on a mountain. See, mountains are significant places. Mountaintops are, are, are significant places for us as Christ followers. Listen, as people. And, and as, but here's the thing. As great as mountaintops are, we cannot live there. We cannot live there. At some point, you've got to come down from the mountain. At some point, you've got to live your life in the valley. What happens when we come down to the mountain? See, here's the thing. When you're on the mountain, you can see everything. But when you come down to the mountain, what can't you see? You can't see your past. And it's hard to see your future. 
You can only see what's in front of you. You can't see the big picture per se. You can't clearly see what lies behind you, and we can't clearly see what lies ahead of us. Now, don't get me wrong. We all need mountaintop experiences, but life happens at the foot of the mountain. Life happens when we come down from the mountain. Mountaintops can show us where we came from, yes, but they also tell us what they, that we cannot stay here. We cannot stay here. We can't go back to our past, and we can't jump to our future, but we have to go toward our future. We cannot stay here. Here's the thing. It's what happens when we come down from the mountaintop that determines the significance of what happened on the mountaintop. Come on. It's what happens when we come down from the mountaintop that, can, that, that determines the significance of what happened on the mountaintop. See, we've got to take what we've got from the mountaintop down. We've got to live because here's the one thing. We can't stay here. We have got to go there. Come on, somebody. We can't stay here. We've got to go there. And as much as I would love to stay on the mountain and see where I came from and anticipate where I'm going, it's just not realistic. 1 Corinthians 13 in the message says this. It says, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. Sounds like Ohio. We need a little dose of that right now, don't we? We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until the completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. This is talking about Jesus coming back. We can't see right now, but Jesus is going to come back. And when he does, three things will lead us toward that. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three, say it with me, love. The best of these three is love. Listen, I would love to sit here today, stay here today and tell you that your future is going to be great. I would love to do that. I would love to sit here and tell you that your future is going to be bright. I would love to tell you that your future is going to be one of success. But here's what I want to tell you. It can be, and it will be, if you do three things. If you do three things, and the first one is this, if we love extravagantly. Number one, if we love extravagantly. There was this family at a mall, and they'd walked into the mall, and it was the father with his two kids, boy and a girl. And as they're walking in the mall, they see a sign, there's a petting zoo there, and, and the kids love the petting zoo, and they're like, hey, Dad, can, can we go see the petting zoo? Can, and you could go shop, and we'll be out of your hair. Like, yeah, absolutely. It was a dollar, so, so he, hands, he hands each kid a buck, and they go, and, and just a few short minutes later, his daughter comes walking up as he's in, in, the, in the hardware store looking, and you know how guys do, right? That's our, that's our special happy place, amen? Amen. There's nothing like walking around Home Depot with Starbucks in my hand. I just, there's heaven on earth. That might be it. So, so he's walking, and here comes his daughter, and she's kind of slumped over. And, What's wrong? Did, did, didn't you like the petting zoo? No. When we got there, it was, it was $2. It was $2. So I, I, I decided to give my, my dollar to, my, to my, my brother so that he could go to the petting zoo. And you know, his heart just melted as a father. Can you imagine? And, and they, had, they had a family saying one of the core values in their family was this, love is action. And she said, Daddy, love is action. Love is action. And so, so she, he was really like, yeah, she's getting it. This is awesome. And, and so he walks back out, and the, he, he's got, he sits down and right outside the petting zoo, and he, he's watching as his daughter's watching her brother. And the money is, he's got the dollar. He's ready to give it to her just to go. And he, he remembers that, no, our core, our, our core value is not love is action. Our core value is love is sacrificial action. 
And so he decides at that moment, you know what, as he's, she's watching, she's actually enjoying the process of watching the sacrifice she made for her brother. He decides to let that dollar sit in his, in his, in, in his pocket, and he lets her learn a valuable lesson that day about sacrificial action. See, listen, Matthew twenty two thirty seven says this. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. That might be hard for some of us, the intelligence part. But we can do the passion and prayer, at least I can. The intelligence, eh. This is the most important, the first on the list, but there's a second to, love, to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs on them. See, this little girl understood that it wasn't about her. See, here's the thing. We got it twisted in our culture. Love isn't about you. It's about them. Right? Love is about them. You show love for them, not for you. That's, that's not love. That's, that's selfishness. That's not love. That's, that's, that's idol, idolatry is what that becomes, right? Where we make it about us. Then we become the idol. We make it about them, right? We make it about him. When we love God, we love people. We love life. See, we've got to get to the point where we are living a sacrificial kind of love, where, where, where love is action. It's not just Words where, where we're not looking for likes, but we're demonstrating love. Come on, somebody. That's what our culture needs. That's what's going to change culture. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Right? And the more we do for people, the more they're going to feel our love. The more they're going to be confused. What do you mean you're doing this without an ulterior motive? What do you mean you're going to, you're going to take time and feed 170 people for, with nothing, want nothing in return? What do you mean? What do you mean you're going to serve the community and, and, and just not expect anything? What do you mean? What do you mean that I'm going to serve my wife and not expect anything in return? That doesn't make sense, right? What do you mean I'm going to serve my boss and not? That doesn't make sense. This, this is what twists the world up. This is what they look at you and go, oh, maybe this Christian thing, maybe what they really are smoking what they're selling. Maybe it really is changing lives and maybe I should check into it. I don't know. We need to stop looking for likes and start demonstrating love. Number two is we got to hope unswervingly. Hope unswervingly. <clears throat> there were two sets of lab rats um, and, and they, they took them, the, the, lab, the, the doctor, whatever, scientist, scientist, they took them and they put them in two separate bins of water. Right? And for, I don't need any emails from PETA lovers right now. This is not mine. This is what they did. So you can email them. They took two sets of rats, put them in water. Within an hour, one set of rat laps died because they drowned. The other set, what they were doing is they were taking the lab rats and they were pulling them out every so often. They'd start swimming and get tired and they would pull out the rats and let them rest for a second. Then they'd put them back in the water. And then they'd get tired, they'd pull them back out and they kept doing this. And those lab rats actually treaded water and they swam for 24 hours. 24 hours. Because, because here's, here's the thing. It's not because they were given rest. It's because they were offered hope. It's not because they were given rest. It was because they were given hope. Every time they got tired, they were living. They suddenly had a brand new hope. They suddenly believed that, well, as soon as I get tired, hmm, somebody's hand comes down and catches me. Somebody's hand comes down and saves me. And listen to me. That's exactly what God wants to do in our lives, people. Come on. You're treading water. Some of you may even feel like you're drowning. You may be drowning in debt. Your health, the doctor's giving you bad reports. Your marriage is a wreck. Your kids, you don't have a clue what's going on in their lives right now. Your job, you have no idea what's happening. I'm telling you, you need to hope unswervingly because God's reaching down. 
And you just need to have hope that he's going to be there. Right? You're going to, because faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things, say it with me, hoped for. You've got to hold on to hope. You've got to hold on to hope. When everything else, I had a pastor who used to say, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Because God is coming. He promises to do that. You've just got to hope unswervingly. Hope unswervingly. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we, 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 we do not see. G.K. Chesterton said it this way. Hope means hoping. Listen, you've got to catch this. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless. Say hopeless. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it's no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is, merely, mere, is a mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be strength. Some of you needed that in this room this morning. Listen, it's easy to hope when things are hopeful. It's a whole different thing to hope when things are hopeless, right? It's a whole different thing. Hope when you're hopeful, when you've got things going your way, really isn't hope at all. It's just kind of, I'm just trusting the system because I know things are going to work out. But when you're looking and you say, I have no idea how this is going to happen, but I'm going to hope anyway. I'm going to have faith Anyway, I know I have more month at the end of my money, but I'm going to believe God is going to provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's what I'm going to hope for. Come on, that's a good place for you to clap. Right? Hope unswervingly. Hope unswervingly. When all else, when all else fails, hope. And listen, there's going to be people in your life that are going to try to talk you out of it too. Well, you just need to go get a loan or just go, go, go finance a car for another seven years or go do this or go, go do that. Go get yourself in more debt. Go, go get this job that you know you probably really shouldn't have or go get in this relationship because you're just settling because you've given up hope that God is going to provide somebody for you. Just do this, do that. Listen, hope. Hope on swear. Hope in God. Listen, haters are going to hate. Hope anyways. Hope anyways. Number three, trust steadily in God. Trust steadily in God. This story is told and of this, this little boy, and he was, you know how little boys do, right? At the edge of a pool, or maybe they get up on a fence rail, and like, hey, daddy, catch me. You know, anybody ever done that? I used to do that, right? You remember this? Yeah, man, and he's standing at the rail, and the story's this little boy, and he's standing at the rail. He's like, Daddy, catch me. Daddy, catch me. So, so little, the, 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 the dad's like, okay, son, I got you, man. Just trust me. I got you. Go ahead and jump. And the little boy's hesitant. You know how they all are? They're like, yeah, I trust you, but I'm not really sure I trust you. You know what I'm talking about? But he's like, okay, Daddy, I'm going to jump. And so, so with every, all the strength he musters up, he jumps. And the daddy, as the boy's about to land his arm, steps out of the way and lets him hit the ground. <laughs> Don't you ever trust anyone, son. That's his lesson. Let that be a lesson to you. That's not who God is. God is more like, more like this. God, and that's, that's how some of us have a view of God. Because we, people have let us down. Therefore, we think God's going to let us down. What they say is this, and I've heard this said, and I believe it, is that whatever your relationship is with your earthly father will be the relationship you have with your heavenly father. Right? So if you didn't trust your earthly father, you have a hard time trusting your heavenly father. Right? It's more like, God is more like this, is, when, when, when Kai was little, Kai loves jumping off stuff. My youngest son, I mean, he's just like, he does stuff that scares me. I've watched him do stuff going, oh, dear Jesus, don't let him break his arm. Don't let him break his foot. I mean, he's just crazy like that. His other brother's like, no, no, I don't think so. I could get hurt. Kai's like, I don't know. We're going to try it. Let's see. 
so Kai, Kai, Kai will be someone, uh, he's done this to me before. Hey, Daddy, catch me. And you look around. <laughs> right? And then you're both falling on the ground. You're like, what is going on, dude? Why didn't you warn me? What did you, were you thinking? He said, Dad, I was thinking you're my dad and you'll catch me. That's what I was thinking. I had no doubt that you would catch me, Dad. That's how you need to be with God. There should be no doubt in your mind that God is going to take care of you. There should be no doubt in your mind that God is going to heal you. There should be no doubt in your mind that God is going to heal your relationship. He's going to take care of your kids. He's going to take care of your finances. He's going to take care of your job. There should be no doubt in your mind. His word says that he will supply all of his all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Not what your boss says, not what the economy says, not what your husband or wife say, not what your kids are saying, not what the news is saying, not what the newspapers are saying, not what social media is saying. He does it because he is God and he can and he will every single time. You've got to trust unswervingly. Trust unswervingly. Listen, or steadily, sorry, trust steadily. Listen, your job isn't to know. Listen, some of you control freaks out there, I know who you are. Your job isn't to know. Your job is to trust. Your job is to trust. That's what God's, your job is to trust. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Say it with me. Or not. Wherever you go. Well, there you go. Thank you. Say it with me. Wherever you go. It doesn't say some places you go, does it? Does it? No, it says wherever you go, God will be there. Be strong. Be courageous. Trust. Have hope. And, and, and the, 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 the fourth thing is this. And I know I said three, but you've got to understand there's a fourth thing in this is that, that the most important thing you can do in your life, and band, if you guys want to come up, is live for God. The most important thing you can do in your life is live for God. Live for God. See, Jeremiah, well, let me, let me back up. There's a, anybody ever heard of Steve Jobs? A couple of you? Okay, cool. I didn't know. He's not the most popular guy in the world. Or is he? So Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs was, was, uh, was sitting on a, on a bank of a pond one day. And this, this, this newbie in the tech industry, he walks in and, and as he's walking, as he's walking down the bank, he looks over and he sees Steve Jobs sitting there and he's like, oh my gosh, you know, he's the biggest nerd, you know, tech guys, that's how you guys are. It's okay. I love you. You're amazing. We need more of you in the world. But he's like, oh my gosh, that's Steve Jobs. That guy right there is Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs. Like, I mean, he's just, you know how it is, man. It's just like, ah. And so he's like, he's like, okay, this is my chance. It's just him and Steve. They're just there. And he's like, let me, let me go talk to Steve. So he goes up to Steve. He says, Steve, I got a question. He goes, man, what, what is the secret to your success, brother? What, how, did you, how did you do it? I just want to know if there's one thing you could tell me, what is it that, that is the secret sauce that helped you? And Steve says, do, do you really want to know? He says, yeah, I want to know. I really want to know. So, so he says, come here with me. So he takes him and he walks into the water. And they get deeper in the water until they're about waist deep. 
And, and they're, they're in the water waist deep. And he puts his arm around the guy. He says, do you, do you really want to know the secret of my success? He said, yeah, I absolutely do want to know. So he looks at him, puts his hand on the back of his head, dunks him in the water. And this dude's flailing. You know, he's fighting and kicking and screaming. And, he's, and he pulls him back up. Right? I mean, the dude can't breathe. He's like, dude, do you really want to know what the secret of my success is? He said, yeah, I do. Puts him back in the water. He's kicking, he's screaming, he's fighting, he can't breathe. Water's getting in his lungs. Do you really want to know, man? I, I don't know. I think I do. It's okay. Let, let me tell you. Throws him back in the water. Right? So he just almost can't breathe. Pulls him back up. He's like, dude, you are crazy. He said, do you really want to know the secret of my success? He said, yeah. He said, let me tell you the secret. He said, when you want success like you want your next breath, that's when you're going to find it. Let me tell you something, people. When you want Jesus, like you want your next breath, your life will change forever. I promise you. But it's up to you. You've got to desire him more than you want the world. You've got to desire him than you want, want that, more than you want that next fix. You've got to desire him more than you want that next sale. You've got to desire him more than you want that next relationship. You've got to desire him more than you want that next promotion. You've got to desire him more than you want that healing. Come on, somebody. You've got to desire him more than your next breath. That's when you'll find success. Jeremiah 29. 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares who? The Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Who needs hope in this room this morning? Come on, this is for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, when you want God like you want your next breath, you'll find success. You'll find out what life truly is all about. But listen, when you don't want God like you want next breath, you will not know what life is. You're going to struggle. You're going to be hopeless. And your future is going to be unsteady. It's not going to be sure. But I promise you, when you trust you, when you put your faith in Jesus, it all changes. I didn't say it's easy because sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's hard to serve God. Sometimes it's hard to live this life because life is life regardless of whether you serve in Jesus or not. But I tell you, there is a hope, my Bible says, and a future. He has hope for me to prosper. He has a plan for my life. And I would rather live his plan than anybody else's, than my own plan. Come on, somebody. It's up to you to submit your life to him. It's up to you to live for God. Let's pray in this room with every head bowed and every every eye closed. I want to talk to you this morning in this room. You came in this room this morning. You came in here without hope. You came in here doubting your future. You came in here not able to trust, not able to live for God, whatever the case may be. If you're in this room, I'm telling you, God wants to set you free today. God wants you to invite you into relationship with him today. God wants you to give everything to him today. Do not walk out of this place without knowing that you are committed to him today. And if that's you, would you slip your hand up in the air real quick? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Yes, I see you. Absolutely. Just be honest. Just be that moment with Jesus. You feel it. That feeling you got right there, that's not from you. That's from God. And it's definitely not from somewhere else because Satan would not want you to have a relationship with God. Come on. Be obedient to what God's calling you to do. Just respond to him today. If that's you, one more time. Just slip your hand up in the air real quick. Yes. 
Yes, let me pray. Yes. Father, I thank you for those in this room that are brave enough to raise their hand, God. Father, in this moment, as your spirit is piercing our hearts, Lord, let us respond likewise. Let us respond to what you're asking us to do. Let us respond to what you're calling us to do today. Lord, let us respond to the love that you are showing us, the kindness that you are showing us, God. Lord, as we put our trust in you, as we put our faith in you, as we put our hope in you, God, do something amazing in our lives. Lord, we love you. Lord, I ask that you change us today from the inside out. Do something amazing in us today that we do not walk out of here the same way that we walked in this place, Father. Father. 